Have you ever been having one of those really hard body image days and then told a friend or family member that you were struggling and their response to you went something like this? Hey, remember, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Did you just have a facepalm moment? Why is it that this scripture from Psalm 139:14 often seems to only feel helpful for a short time or maybe even not at all? Well, we're going to answer that for you today and give you some things to consider that might actually stick for longer than 15 seconds. Hey, my name is Brittany Braswell, and this is the Joy-Filled Eater Podcast. If you've ever struggled with the concept of being fearfully and wonderfully made and understanding what that means, you are not alone, my friend. Because while it's true, there's a big mistake that most people make when they try to read and apply this verse to their struggles with body image. That's why today I'm bringing on my sweet friend, Heather Creekmore, who is a Christian author and host of the Compared to Who podcast, and she's going to help explain why Psalm 139.14 never worked for her and what she knows now that's making a lasting impact on her body image. Get ready for a bold, hilarious conversation about body image because Heather and I are holding nothing back. And if you stick around, then by the end of this episode, you are going to have a fresh perspective on body image that can make a huge difference for you and shed some light on what might be holding you back from escaping the bondage of comparison and body shame. Welcome to the Joy-Filled Eater Podcast, the show that helps you cultivate a joy-filled relationship with food, your body, and Jesus. My name is Brittany Braswell, and I'm a Christ-centered registered dietitian and eating disorder recovery coach on a mission to help you break free from the bondage of food guilt and body shame so that you can start fueling your physical, mental, and spiritual health all from a place of joy. We'll be spilling the tea on all things diet culture, even in the church. Think of this as your weekly dose of nutrition and body image real talk mixed with biblical encouragement from your Southern bestie. If you love Jesus, are sick of having negative body image, and wish food didn't feel so complicated, then welcome, friend. This show is for you. So grab your coffee, get comfy, and prepare to be challenged. This is the Joyful Eater Podcast. Hey, Heather. Thank you so much for being here today with us on the Joyful Eater Podcast. Hey, Brittany. It's a pleasure to be with you. It has been a little while since we've gotten to touch face face to face, and um, since especially since we've gotten on a recording, we haven't. We did a couple of episodes for your podcast a while back, yeah. so we're really excited to have you here today and get get a chance for um, for my listeners to hear from you. Well, I'm glad to be here. Well, I know something that I hear all the time, and I know that you and I have talked about before when it comes to body image and comparison, because I know this is a huge passion of yours to talk about this. Um, one of the things that comes up so often and that I get tons of, um, I don't even know if questions is the right word, maybe complaints about is Mm. going, Brittany, I have told myself over and over again that I am fearfully and wonderfully made and it works for about 12 seconds. And then I'm like, okay, I know that. Like I have that head knowledge. I know it says that, but it doesn't feel that way. I don't really believe that. How in the world like, what do I, what do I do with it? So yeah. let's dive in to that today. Yeah. Um, so, so maybe just get us started with what do we do when we know we have that head knowledge, we know we're fearfully and wonderfully made, but it's just not cutting it for us. Can I start by just kind of sharing that that was my story 
absolutely 100% fully was my story. I mean, I was raised in a Christian home. I went to Christian school starting in seventh grade. I went to Christian college. I went to Christian graduate school. So this girl knew she was fearfully and wonderfully made. And I felt like growing up in church and Christian circles like I did, I felt like I was almost afraid to tell anyone that I struggled with body image issues because I kind of knew that's what they were going to say. They were going to say, well, you just need to be in Psalm 139, 14. And then if you just remember you're fearfully and wonderfully made, then you'll be all better. Or they would take me to 1 Samuel and tell me that God looked at my heart, right? Because, you know, that's that's the other place we go, right? Mm-hmm. And for decades, literal decades, Brittany, I struggled. It never worked for me. And in some ways I felt shame around that as if I was a bad Christian because like, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. I believed I was going to heaven, but the whole fearfully and wonderfully made thing. mm, Yeah. Why couldn't I be more fearfully or more wonderfully made like that woman on the magazine cover? Like, you know, like God, you know, like that's not fair, right? Like it's it's just not fair. Yes, she's fearfully and wonderfully made too. So what is the difference? Right, right. And so for me, uh, well, I I started working in body image and, and, you know, this whole field comparison. I started doing this because God had revealed to me my body image idolatry. And and growing up in church, um, that was something I never heard before. Like I knew I didn't have an idol problem because we didn't have a Buddhist statue. And so for me, that was, that was my life transformation. That's what completely like just transformed everything about my struggle with body image issues was recognizing that idol. But then once I did that, I had to kind of go back to that passage in Psalm 139 and be like, okay, now how does this work? And what I feel like I found was, and, and I'll just, I don't have it pulled up, but I, I think I have it memorized. Psalm 139, 14 says, God, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows them very well. And when I would teach this in front of groups, I would do this little thing where I don't, you know, I'm older than you are, but there, there's this quote from Father of the Bride where they talk about like putting an emphasis on the wrong syllable, <laughs> right? Yes, and, yes. and I kind of think that's what we've done with that verse. Like we have turned that verse into what I would call a self-esteem verse where we're looking in the mirror and actually I just had a client today and she's like, I, you know, I was looking in the mirror telling myself I was fearfully and wonderfully made. And it just didn't work. And it's like, that's what we've been taught to do, to look in the mirror and say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. But if we go back to that verse, right? And if you read the whole of Psalm 139, it's obviously not a self-esteem passage. Mm -hmm. David was the, let's just say, best, most radical worshiper that we have an example of in the Old Testament right? David had a heart like God's, a man with a heart after God's, right? David loved to worship. David wasn't writing about how great he was to help himself feel better. He was writing about how great God was to help himself feel better. And that's where I think the 
that that's the money. <laughs> that's that's the gold. Is if we're trying to read that passage to make ourselves feel better by making it about how great I am, I'm fearfully wonderfully made. It's all about me, me, me. Think about how great I am because I'm fearfully wonderfully made, and that's kind of what we've done in the church with that verse. And that's not really what it's about. It's like, whoa, it is amazing that God made me the way he did, right? And then, I, you know, I don't know if you want to jump in, but, but we could take it one step further, right? To yeah. the, verse, the verse about where he knit me together in my mother's womb. Right. And and I used, I read that. I mean, that's, you know, all the pro-life stuff. It's that's around that. And it's like, oh, I know I was knit together. But recently I was, I was working on uh, my next book and I started to think about the knitting process. Right. Like, so I'm not really craftsy, Brittany. Like, that's just not my deal. Like, I've got other skills, but crafts are not on that list. <laughs> so I'm OK with that. But yeah, like, yeah. like, I remember someone bought like when my daughter was, I don't know, six or seven, really into crafts. Like someone bought us like this blanket kit where you just you basically just had to like glue the pieces of fabric together. And like I even struggled with that. But when I thought about like being knit together in my mother's womb, I think that was more the picture I had. You know, like I was kind of like, well not necessarily even being slapped together intentionally, but that mm -hmm. like, well, all the genes kind of, you know, all the cells glommed together in the way that they glommed together and out came me. Mm -hmm. But if you think about that word knit, right? When you knit something, and again, I'm not a knitter, but my, my mother-in-law has always been a knitter and she's pretty precise. You've got to get each of the, the needles through whatever little hole right every time. Otherwise, it looks crazy and you got to rip it all out and start all over, right? Yeah, Knit, yeah. Knitting is precision, intentional precision. And so if we think about the reality that God made us exactly the way we look on purpose for a purpose, we were knit together, but that's not about me. I didn't do anything in that equation. That's about him, right? And that's, that's where the freedom comes. I love so much that you pointed out so directly because I feel like I do this in session, if not daily, at least weekly, that looking looking at both of those verses, but I mean, especially diving into Psalm 139 there, going, okay, we've got to read this, this verse in context, right? It's so easy with scripture, regardless of what it is, to cherry pick, or mm -hmm. at least that's the term I, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. find, find a verse that matches whatever you're trying to say. And when we go in and we look at David and we look at the context of he is spending this time and this energy and this effort writing out all of these beautiful verses. And as I read through it, Heather, I think it's verse 14 where we see this. It's like the first verse that even starts with I anything. It's all yeah. you this, you, you did yeah. this, you did this. And even when we get to that I part, it's, I praise you, like God is the subject, right? Because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm praising you and I'm made this way and and I'm praising you for it. And so I love that you that you mentioned that and because we've got to take the heart of David in into perspective here that this really is where so many Christian women get caught and saying, Okay, yes, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, right? But you mentioned a word that can feel so like harsh or blunt for people sometimes. And I think the church is tiptoes around this. 
we talked, you, you mentioned idolatry, right? Mm-hmm. You said that like, oh, we didn't have that little, you know, statue that you sometimes see if you go maybe in a nail salon or you go to somebody's house who has a different set of spiritual faith beliefs than you. You go, oh, I don't, ha- I don't have any idols, right? But then we start looking at, oh my goodness, what are these things that I'm spending my time and energy and effort thinking about doing? Like, yeah. so, so what would, you, what would you say within that when it comes to self-esteem, Mm-hmm. which is a whole other subject. We probably mm. need to tackle some of that in this too, because this yeah. is absolutely not a self-esteem verse. So how do we, how do we reconcile that with going, how do I know if I'm struggling with body image idolatry yeah. or how do I move away from this idea of self-esteem? Cause I just, I just feel like, you know, that's what I've been told that I just need to feel better about myself. Right. I need to think better about myself. And then this body image stuff will go away. Yeah. Yeah. So let me, let me try to answer that in two parts. So part one I mean, I think, you know, if you have a body image idol, if you are believing that changing your body will, and I'm going to use the word save, but you could substitute the word rescue, um, will save or rescue you. And, and from what, and I'm going to say, will save or rescue you from shame around your body. Or maybe it's just this obsession, like the nonstop conversation in your head about what you need to do to change your body and how you need to eat and how you need to exercise and all of those things. So if you have believed or are believing that if you could just change your body, then you would be free from all this obsession, all the shame, whatever it is related to your body size shape that is bogging you down, then it has become an idol. And that was, that was my story. But I'll tell you, Brittany, the best thing that ever happened to me was God revealing to me that sin of idolatry. I mean, that it completely changed my life. And I felt freedom that I didn't even know was possible because I believed that because I was a woman in this century, that I had to struggle with the way my body looked because every woman I know struggled with the way she looked and every woman I know struggled with food. I mean, not that she called it a struggle, right? We just thought that's just normal, right? Like going on every diet and restricting things and, you know, or over, you know, just that, that was just the normal to have this crazy relationship with food in the hope that it would make my body turn out the way I wanted my body to turn out. And when God showed me the idolatry, I mean, it's been a process. I've been on a long journey, but a lot of that just instantly went away. And then there's other things he's had to work on over the decade. <laughs> but, but, but the freedom was palpable that I felt then. But then to, to the second thing you asked with, with self-esteem. So I love how you said we have to consider Psalm 139, 14 in the context of Psalm 139. But I also think we have to consider Psalm 139, 14 within the context of Scripture as a whole, right? Scripture doesn't contradict itself. And so if you look in the New Testament, um, and I think it's 2 Timothy. I'm sorry I don't have the, the passage handy. The word says that in the last days men will be lovers of self and it's not a good thing right it's not a like oh yay everyone will have body image freedom because they'll be lovers of self no it's a wicked thing right and i think even within within the church like i hear this confused all the time you know in matthew and um, matthew i think it's 23 where where the, we have the commands there are two great commands 
love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, right? And that's a reflection back on Deuteronomy. So scripture fitting in again together there. And then this new command that Jesus adds onto it is love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, Brittany, so many people I hear say, well, in that there's this command to love yourself, right? If you're going to love your neighbor as yourself, you have to love yourself first. But I know that my God can count, and if it was love yourself and then love your neighbor and love your God, that would be three commands, not two commands. There is no mandate for self-love. I think all through scripture, like that's the battle of the flesh, right? Is to battle the ways I love myself and think of myself naturally first above everyone else, right? Like, I mean, even going kind of tying this back to idolatry, right? Like a lot of my idolatry was like, okay, God, like I know that you say my body's okay and I was made for a purpose on purpose, but I kind of want my body to look a different way. So my opinion of my body is more important than your opinion of my body, right? And that's, that's, that's not what he asks of us. And, and so self-esteem, I think, biblically is problematic, right? Because, and then beyond biblically, right? Like, it's so amorphous. Like, what amount of self-esteem am I supposed to have, right? Because I remember going out on dates with guys when I was in college that had a lot of self-esteem. And they were not very fun to go out with because all they talked about was themselves. Yeah. Right. And so you're like, ooh, well, no, narcissism. Yikes. Like, I don't want anything to do with someone who's like so puffed up on themselves. But like self-love, self-esteem, like that, that kind of seems like the higher range mm -hmm. of those concepts. Right. Yeah. And then the lower range is, oh, Eeyore. Oh, woe is me. I am the worst. I'm the ugliest girl here. No one's as ugly as me. Right? you got the self-loathing. So it's like, okay, where's the sweet spot for self-esteem? Like, how do you know when you're like, ding, 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 you've hit it. You're right in the right spot. You love yourself enough that people aren't annoyed by you. And yet, <laughs> like, it's just ridiculous. There, it's impossible to know. Like, there is no spot like that that exists. So that makes it a problematic concept. And then beyond that, like, science does not back up a self-esteem thing, which really irritates me, Brittany. Because if you Google, how do I get a better body image, you know the first, like, 23,000 results are you need more self-esteem. How to improve your self-esteem. Right. And it's like, but there is not a single study out there that shows that improving self-esteem works. In fact, and so in the 1990s, the state of California decided that self-esteem training is what they needed to reduce what, what they called the societal ills. So the amount of teen crime, drug use, even smoking, alcohol use, all of these things that they were having problems with in the state of California with teenagers. They're like, if we just improve their self-esteem, then they won't struggle anymore. And you know what happened? They improved their self-esteem and all of the rates of all of these issues they had skyrocketed. Apparently, the better we feel about ourselves, the more likely we are <laughs> to, to do these things that you're not supposed to need to do if you feel better about yourself. And then there's another study where they look at college students, incoming college freshmen, 
And they've asked them to kind of like rate their own self-esteem. Now, my data is is from when I wrote my first book, Compared to Who. So my data is, you know, at eight or nine years old. And I have seen some of this changing. I think that that the newer studies are not showing such high rates of self-esteem. But when I first started doing this, the rates of self-esteem for these incoming college freshmen were the highest they had ever seen. And at the same time, Brittany, the rates for eating disorders, anxiety disorders, depression, suicide, all of these other things were also at the highest they'd ever seen. And so I think the gospel of culture is that more self will free you. I love myself more. I think about myself more. I look in the mirror and think I'm something pretty and special. That's going to free me. And self is not the answer that the Bible prescribes. It's always Jesus. It's, it's we're to die to ourselves. We're to lay down ourselves, right? We, we are crucified with Christ. That's not like I love me. <laughs> that's no lay it all down for him. And, and that's really where the freedom is. This is something that I'm so glad you pointed out so directly because there's such a huge difference. I think people hear these passages like we're talking about and this concept of if I have more self-esteem, I'll feel more confident. That's like Mm -hmm. the big C word in our field is confidence, right? I just, if I feel more confident in my body, then I won't have these disordered eating behaviors or then I won't be doing all this body checking or then I won't need the scale or all of these like, this will happen when kind of things. And so I I love how earlier you mentioned that idolatry. You you kind of get that idea of if my body changes, then it will save me, right? Mm -hmm. Or it will rescue me. And so there's always this constant pursuit. And Heather, you may, you may feel this way, people listening, but like there's, if that's the mindset that you have, you're never going to get to that place where you just feel like my self-esteem cup is full. I'm done. I don't have anything else to work on now because there's always something more. Cause when it's an idolatry issue like that, there's not this uh, until you recognize it, I should get that disclaimer. There's not this magical quick fix for it. Right. And so something, um, I heard a, an analogy recently that I love that, that mirrors, I think what you just said. And I, I think it's funny I just use the word mirror because I know you give a wonderful example of like with, with a mirror like how what to do with it instead of looking at yourself so I may pass that over to you here in a second too but I heard an analogy about how like when you have I don't have my phone in front of me but if you have an iPhone specifically um, and you are you turn the flashlight on and you are you know shining a light if you think about that as similar to like we are called to shine the light of the mm-hmm. Lord, right? To be the light of the world, the salt and light. As soon as you flip your camera into selfie mode, that light goes away. Mm. You can't do that flash towards yourself. You can't, yeah. you're no longer shining the light. And it's this, I think it's just this beautiful depiction of when we are so focused on ourselves, it's nearly impossible for us to shine the light of God because yeah. like you said, it's, it's not about being self-focused. And we think if I think more about my body, if I give myself all these positive body affirmations and tell myself how great, I'm not great, but at least, you know, my body can do this or I'm, Mm -hmm. and I'm not saying we can't be appreciative or grateful for what our bodies are capable of. But even, I think even when we are appreciating our abilities or our bodies, what our body's capable of, those things can change too. Mm -hmm. We can even make those things an idol. Like I'm thankful for my legs because I'm so fast and I can run 
well, what happens when you get injured and you can't right. run fast? How does that change? I would love to hear if you have any encouragement um, for anyone listening on what are some things that we can do maybe practically or getting in the word to really help change that focus from self back to God so that we're not focused on that body image idolatry, but we're focused on the creator versus the created. Yeah. Yeah. Like Roman says, well, I, when you share that illustration, I didn't know exactly where you're going because I hadn't heard it before. So it's, it's a really good one. But I was thinking when you turn that phone around, when it's in flashlight mode, you blind yourself. Oh, right. Yes. If you yeah. try to turn that flashlight onto yourself, like, ow, that hurts. Because really, we weren't designed for glory in the same way God was designed for glory. Now, we are God's glorious creation. But we, as C.S. Lewis says, bearing the weight of glory is not what we were designed for. And that's kind of a wrestling match that we're in when we're in body image issues, right? It's like, I know God gets all the glory, but I just kind of want someone to think I look nice on Sunday and just say, hey, Heather, you look great. (laughs) You know, just a smidgy little bit of glory from me. And then all the rest of glory can go to God, but just, just need a little smidge. It's like, that's not really what we were designed for because like we already talked about, it's never enough. Right? We start to feed the beast. And I mean, Brittany, I, I don't know if you want to go here necessarily, but think about how the devil became the devil. Oh, Heather, Heather let's go there because we need to just like lay it all <laughs> on the table today. I'm, I'm so tired of like the fluffy body image conversation. I don't do so. fluff. I'm not good with fluff. <laughs> I mean, get rid of the fluff. <laughs> Satan became Satan because of his vanity. Right? He was the most beautiful of all angels. And it wasn't enough. Because after he had the beauty, he wanted power. And he decided, eh, yeah, God, eh, he's not really that great. I think I'm as great as God. Right? It's the, it's the most original sin there is. It is more of an original sin than Adam and Eve. Okay? And yet we believe his lie. I think that's why so many women struggle with body image issues. It's like the easiest lie for Satan to, to p- perpetuate, right? If you could just have a little bit more beauty, then you'd feel better. Just a little bit more. But it's just like money. How much money is enough? Well, I don't know. Just a little bit more, <laughs> right? Like right, it's, yeah. it's never enough. And so to get really practical, what do you have to do? You know, I I always say that you have to start with seeing the idol. You can't just be like, okay, it's an idol. Now I'm going to go on. Now tell me like what I shouldn't watch on on YouTube or whatever. No, no, no. No, I'm sorry. It's not that. It's it's you see the idol and then you confess and repent of following that idol, right? And then really even beyond that, Brittany, it becomes a process because I know I've been on this journey for like a decade and I know that all the time, especially like seasonally, you know, like January comes, right? And all the diet ads are around. It's like, oh, there's that promise of salvation again, right? Those pictures on the screen are showing me a before and after that person that was in hell and now that person has lost the weight and they're in heaven. That's a salvation story. I want to buy that salvation story, but that is the salvation story that an idol is selling me. And so it's it's a temptation that I have to keep saying, oh, no, that's idolatry. I'm not going to do that. 
Um, so that, that's, you know, that's where I start with, with everyone until you can do that with the idol, you are going to stay attached to that idol. Um, but beyond that, I love how Dr. Tim Keller talks about the freedom of self-forgetfulness, mm-hmm. right? And, and it's not, so, you know, I think most of our people, right, people like you and me, people that have struggled with this stuff, we're pretty black and white. We're all or nothing, right? That's part of our problem set, <laughs> right? And so, so when you say self-forgetfulness, us all or nothing, black and white people are like, you mean self-neglect? You mean not taking care of yourself? No, no, no. That's not what I mean. <laughs> like, it, it just means that instead of obsessing over me all day, I am free to actually meditate on the Lord's law, like like David talks about, right? On your law, I will meditate day and night. Like I can think about God. I can think about the goodness of God. I can think about the fact that I am loved, seen, approved of. I am safe. All of these things I wanted from my body image, right? I wanted to have a certain body so I would be loved. I wanted to have a certain body so I could be approved of. I wanted to have a certain body so I could be seen. I wanted to look a certain way so that I could be safe from the criticism of other people and really from the criticism of myself, right? But I could never get my body good enough to assure me of all of those things, right? It was never enough, right? Even gorgeous women get cheated on. It's on the cover of every magazine. As you check out a Target, you'll see it, right? Even culturally perfect women still struggle. And so that can't be the way out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, when, you, when you mentioned that about all, all of these things that we hope a, a different body or a better body image will improve, a way that I say that so often to my clients and I love how you described it there is your, your body. If you think your body weight or size, whatever, something needs to change. It is always because it's a means to an end, right? Mm -hmm. Like Heather, you just listed five or six different things. I want my body to change. So I'll be more loved or more accepted or less critical of myself. And if we can skip the, we, we think that the body change or the body image change will get us there. Right. If we just skip and we go, okay, instead of thinking that this is the way to make all of these other things happen, what's what's keeping me from just focusing on, okay, well, how how do I like what is it going to take for me to feel more confident or feel more loved or feel more accepted or I even hate using the word feel mm-hmm. <laughs> with all these things. That's maybe another conversation, but being able just to go, wow, this my body, what I think my body needs to be is really a means to an end. And it's not, like you said, there's no one body shape, size, composition, look, aesthetic that can give you all of those things that can say, hey, at this size, I'm safe. Or at this size, this type of trauma won't happen to me again. Or this type of person will be appreciative of me or I will like myself more. And so I want, I want people to, to hear that and the way that you describe that, that Y'all go back 60 seconds if you need to listen to it again. That, yeah. that there's there's nothing body-wise that's going to get you all those things. And so what what would you say, Heather, to somebody saying, okay, well, if my body, changing my body or fixing my body image doesn't get me there, what does? Yeah. What would Where would you give somebody some encouragement or direction to say you're seeking yeah. all of these things in the wrong place? Let me pause that for a second, though, Brittany, because I think that that's a really – 
tough pill for a lot of people to swallow. Right. And so there, there may be some grieving that has to happen before you can get that pill the whole way down. Because when you have spent your entire life or the bulk of your life believing that changing your body will change your life or free you in all these areas you felt bound, it is really discouraging to hear that it won't work. Right. And, and so I, I don't want to gloss over that. Right. Because that would be like, oh, ouch, like that hurts. <laughs> right. But the beauty is that that the gospel works. Right. That the way of escape that Jesus provided for all of our sin and shame covers our body image, shame and, and idolatry sins as well right? That, that it really is effective. And, and I think for a lot of Christian women, we can believe that it's effective to get us into heaven, right? Like we can believe in grace for later, like, but for now, what I really need is to drop some weight and change the way I look and, you know, all the things because that God and Jesus stuff, that's, that's for later. But we miss the heart of grace in that. You know, so we started by talking about Psalm 139, that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, that I'm knit together in my mother's womb. And I think just kind of to tie it back to that, it's can I really believe the gospel, right? Can I believe, yes, that Jesus died for my sins, that he's covering my sin and shame, but then also that he has grace for me in that he has designed me to do something, that he made me on purpose for a purpose. I'm not a Bob Ross happy accident, right? It, yeah. there, there was intentionality in the knitting like we talked about. Mm -hmm. But then to tie this into another Christianism that's from the Bible, right? Our bodies are called the temple of the Holy Spirit, okay? And, oh, yeah, you got to take care of your temple. And that's been really distorted to mean a whole bunch of things. And that's a whole nother, that's an hour episode, Brittany. But, right. but, but to just to, to tie this up with a bow, if you look at 1 Kings chapter 6, God gave really specific instructions as to how he wanted his temple built. I mean, like he measures the logs and cubits and says exactly what kind of logs they're supposed to be and, you know, what cherubim go where and what they're supposed to be made of. I mean, it's a, if you are reading through the Bible in a year, you get to that passage, you're like, yawn, like this is boring details. I'm not building anything here, God. Why do I need to know this? But I think the reason why that's in scripture is so we can see the level of intentionality God has when he designs things, when he creates things, and when he builds things. And if God put that level of intentionality into the building of his temple, and you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, can you believe that God put that kind of intentionality into building you? And if you do, don't walk away with pride and self-esteem like yeah god made me like you know it's veggie tales god made me special and he loves me very much <laughs> but, but like god did make you special but that's not why you're supposed to like walk around with your head held high we can walk around with our heads held high because we know that we are his and we don't have anything to prove to anyone else anymore we are secure for eternity and that's that's where we can derive our confidence. 
and there is there's so much peace and so much joy as you seek to get to that place when you are able to go okay well okay but if I stop if I stop caring about my body right we kind of debunked this a little bit earlier that like oh well that just means I'm going to forget all about it I'm going to ignore my health that is probably one of the biggest pushbacks I get being in the non-diet space it's like oh well you know intuitive eating or making peace with food just means I eat whatever I want all the time no matter what with no regard to nutrition or caring for my body which is not the case and it's not the case when it comes to your body image mm-hmm. either to say I don't have to like by not thinking about my body, I'm going to not care for it well. And I, and I love that you just mentioned, like, in multiple places throughout Scripture, yes, we are called to care for our body and, and steward it well. And, yes, the stewardship and being a temple could absolutely be a whole other conversation. Um, but being able just to, to bring it back and go, he, he created me with so much yeah. intentionality on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose. And I think part of the excitement and joy as you recognize that grief that comes when you realize, okay, my body is not my savior. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's so much potential for that peace and joy. And there's excitement in the pursuit of going, okay, God, what is that purpose and that calling that you Mm -hmm. did create me for? Because if you made me, if you made me for a reason and with all this intentionality, which God, I'm believing you are, help me learn what that is. And I think that can be such a place of fun and it gives you it gives you so much opportunity. Something that I've seen in, in my own story and with a lot of the ladies I work with is the community that you are able to cultivate and create when you realize that because you are able to start finding other people to walk alongside with, to do life together that are seeking the same goal and purpose to go, okay, God, you put me here for a reason. What is it? Help me find it. And you come together with other people in the body of believers to go, instead of comparing my gifts and yours, how can we bring our gifts together? And how can we lay down competition in pursuit of community? Um, So I I love that, Heather. I know um, you've already got some amazing books and resources that even speak more to what we're having our conversation around today. So before we get to that, I would love you to share all of those things. Do you have any any final thoughts or encouragement that you want to leave listeners with when it comes to not just battling the body image idol, but really getting to that place of going, okay, if I if I'm recognizing I'm struggling with body idolatry, if I've been stuck in that place of trying to focus on being fearfully and wonderfully made and now I'm going, okay, how do I focus more on the creator. Yeah. Is there any encouragement you would give women just for like a simple next step? Yeah. Yeah. So why don't I talk about the mirror bounce, the mirror tilt yeah. as the yeah. final thing. So um, because you can't see us, I would just, so if you're, as long as you have one hand free, this will work. So just take your hand and put it in front of your face where your palm is kind of like facing your face and pretend that that's a mirror. And so what I like to encourage women to do, while culture tells us that you just stare in that mirror and you just stare longer and harder until you like decide you love something about yourself. So if you don't love your nose, well, you just don't look at your nose when you look in the mirror and you look at like your eyebrows or something that you think is really good about you. And you just go into the world confident because you have fantastic eyebrows, which Brittany only works until you meet someone with better eyebrows than you. (laughs) And then your confidence fades or until you like try to help your husband with a grip 
oil and your eyebrows get like blown off. <laughs> right? I've got a couple of friends that have lost eyebrows and unfortunate grilling accidents. Right. So so like but you take confidence in something else. And so the mirror is really just there to help boost your confidence. But I think as believers and followers of Jesus Christ, we are not called to try to please the mirror. Neither are we called to have the mirror please us. And so where I think the freedom comes is in tilting the mirror up. So take your your palm and just kind of tilt it towards the sky just a little bit. And this is the relationship that we should have with the mirror and can have with the mirror, I should say, that will give us freedom, right? Because in this position, my mirror is facing the sky to reflect God and it can kind of bounce his radiance kind of off the mirror onto me. And that is freedom. And that's actually why I'm here. I am called to reflect his radiance. I am called to be his light. I am called to reflect his beauty, not to try to derive any beauty of my own to get glory for myself. And so in this position, I am free. And you know, Psalm 34, 5 says, those who look to the Lord will be radiant. And if you think about it, like how silly is it that we think there are things we can do to make ourselves look more beautiful than God could make us. It's just not possible. There's nothing I can do to myself that will make me prettier and more attractive than what God can do in me. And, you know, I mean, we all know this anecdotally. We all know someone that empirically is beautiful and then like their insides are a little like, you know, grouchy, mm-hmm. <laughs> let's say. And you're like, oh, yeah, kind of. But I don't I'm not attracted to that person. Right. But then we probably all know someone who empirically would never be on the cover of a magazine. No one's going to stamp a hot, you know, on their forehead if they're scrolling by. Right. And yet, you know them and you're like, that is one of the most beautiful women I know. Like that's the kind of beauty we need to long for. And that's the kind of beauty that lasts. And that's the kind of beauty that frees us. I love it. I feel like I just need to mic drop and say amen at this point. Because <laughs> I think I think this is, this is a conversation that I don't hear enough people having. And if you are someone who is still listening, who says, hey, I've, I've never even considered that idolatry might be an issue. I want to just encourage you guys, as I do every week, to to pray into this. Like everybody, as you as you read scripture, like go to the Lord and say, God, what do you like? I've been reading Psalm one thirty nine fourteen forever, and ask Him for uh, you know some wisdom and discernment. And how do I read this now in context? What are some other passages, God, maybe that I have been warping to try to further my pursuits of you know changing my body or um, changing the way that I eat. And so again, just taking it to the Lord and saying, give you be the filter Lord as I, as I read scripture. And if idolatry is something that you feel like you struggle with, I want to really encourage you to press into that because I have seen people try to take this and go, okay, well, I don't want food to be an idol. Maybe that's my idol. Mm -hmm. Oh, and that's why I have this struggle with body image. So I'm not saying that that may not ever be the case to some degree, but so much more frequently I see that it's really this this idol of specific body size or body image. So pray into that this week. And then Heather, would you share um, if this has been a helpful conversation for listeners and they want to learn more about you or about how they can continue to work on cultivating a more, I'm going to say biblical body image, um, body image according to messages from scripture versus 
what we hear in and out, even in sessions, I hear this that maybe even cultivated more than more than other places. It's like in a therapy session and a therapist says, Oh, you just need more self esteem and they go, Okay, God, I wanna do this your way. Um, what are some resources you would yeah. maybe point people to? Yeah, so everything of mine is at compared to who dot M E, compared to who dot me. And my first book, Compared to Who, um, is about my body image story. Now I will also just kind of give this disclaimer. I have one line in there about going on a diet. God did not touch my food issues until years after he started to transform my body image issues. So please just give me grace for that. Um, I would not write that line today, but, um, but compared to who's my body image journey. And then I wrote another book called The Burden of Better, How a Comparison-Free Life Leads to Joy, Peace, and Rest. And that book is really about grace. Some of what I talked about today, how understanding grace is what helped free me from comparison. And so it's a deep dive into grace and just all the different ways grace can help us in all these struggles. And so both of those books are available, Amazon, Walmart.com, like every place books are sold. Um, but you can find out more about my about them on my website and you can download some free chapters. And then my, um, my podcast is also called Compared to Who and I'm Compared to Who on all the socials, so love it. I send people over regularly to your podcast, Heather, and, oh, thanks, and we'll continue to do so as well. So guys, if y'all haven't checked that out, go ahead and subscribe to that before the episode wraps up. Um, and thank you again so much for joining us today, Heather. And for those of you guys who like to hang around, I would love to see you next week. And as always, may be filled with hope and abound in joy. Odds are, if you're hearing my voice right now, you might be a Christian woman who feels like food and nutrition are too complicated and that you'll have to struggle with negative body image for the rest of your life. And this podcast is here to help with that. On this show, I'm going to be sharing everything I know and continue to learn about how to cultivate a joy-filled and peaceful relationship with food in your body. But let's face it, it would take me years to share that kind of knowledge and strategy with you here through our free weekly episodes. And the thing is, Food freedom can be a really isolating process when you try to go it alone. So if you've been wanting to add some fuel to the fire on your path to food and body peace so that you can start seeing more confidence and improved physical and mental health now, I invite you to consider joining the Joyful Eater Live. This is the high-touch coaching program that I've created to educate and coach Christian women like you, and it's how dozens of women have stopped hating their bodies or looking to the scale for validation. Through this program, you'll get the blueprint and step-by-step process that you need to reach your food and body freedom goals, along with the accountability required to light a fire under you to implement what you've been learning and take some much-needed action. You'll also get live coaching from me personally every single week. Plus, when you join, you get immediate access to on-demand and live bonus trainings from therapists, Christian authors and speakers, strength coaches, and others so that you can better approach your physical and mental wellness holistically. You'll also join a community of other Christian women who are already eating more intuitively and are ready to help you do the same. So yes, you can absolutely rely on the episodes of this free podcast to help you ditch diet culture and start seeing some results on your own food freedom journey. Or you can fast track your path to freedom and do it in a way that's much more enjoyable and that will help you to be full of confidence as you take your next steps. So if you're ready to commit to getting rid of food rules and not letting the scale dictate the trajectory of your day, then click the link in the show notes and fill out an application and you'll be on your way to joining the Joy-Filled Eater Live. I'll see you inside the program.